Welcome to the Hypnosis NGH podcast. This podcast series offers a fun and serious look at hypnosis and offers various ideas, discuss case studies, along with NGH educational opportunities. Welcome you to the NGH Hypnosis Podcast. I'm Eric Damon from the NGH. Today's guest is an NGH Order of Braid recipient, author of the internationally award-winning book on best web practices, the Webster's Dictionary, how to use the web to transform the world, political columnist, former White House Deputy General Counsel under the Reagan White House, and certified hypnotist. Please welcome Ralph Benko. Thank you, Eric. Pleased to be here. I, I'm sure I left something out because you, you're so busy and doing all kinds of things. Yes, you have. And let's just leave it out because <laughs> it's not really relevant to my hypnotic colleagues. But just let me commence by, by emphasizing what an honor it is to be a member of the National Guild. And as, as uh, I'm not sure all of your members realize, the Guild is exponentially by far by an order of factor of 10, that's what exponentially means, the biggest professional association of hypnotists in the world. So Milton Friedman, Milton Erickson created the American Society for Clinical Hypnosis, for ASCH, okay? And they have about a thousand members. The Guild has about 10,000 members, okay? And the American Psychological Association Division 30 has about a thousand members. And the Guild has about 10,000 members. So the Guild is 10 times larger than either of the other generally recognized professional associations. And it's the oldest. Dr. Damon uh, set up the National Guild years before Milton Erickson set up the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis, which was well before the uh, creation of, of Div 30 by the American Psychological Association, right? So. The, Guild, the National Guild of Hypnotists, misnomer because it really is now the International Guild of Hypnotists. And I really have to go and see if I can find internationalguildofhypnotists.org or GoDaddy so I can buy it and, and extort from you a, a royalty. It's uh, funny. We, we talk about that all the time because you're right. We're, we're throughout the world, the NGH has many, many thousands of, um, of members. Yes. So you are the, the NGH is the oldest, the largest, and the by far most respected professional association of non-clinical hypnotists in the entire world. So it's really an honor to receive the order of grade recognition from the guild. It's an honor to be a contributor to the Journal of Hypnotism, and it's an honor to be an adjunct faculty member at the annual convention. Well, I think that's the key, you know, is that the members like yourself who work very hard at, at building the guild and uh, making it what it is, is, is what it's all about. So thank you, because you work hard as well. Thank um, you. <clears throat> so congratulations on being chosen to present this year at the convention. Thank you. Um, obviously, you've been doing it a few times. I've been doing it, I think, more than a decade. I, I've lost track. You know, in hypnosis, you get all that time distortion kind of stuff. So, you know, I never know exactly what, you know, when I did what. I could look it up on my Google calendar if I, if I needed to. Well, you seem very busy these days. I mean, uh, obviously, you write for several publications, um, including the Journal of Hypnosis or Hypnotism. Along with Wendy Packer, my co-columnist, and we, you know, do a quarterly column, and we're very proud of the contribution that we're making more to the culture than to the practice of hypnosis. We, we've got a bunch of wonderful columnists who are giving people sort of tips on best practices for their chairside practice, but neither Wendy or I have a chairside practice. So we're, we like to look at the bigger picture, how hypnosis has made an impact on, 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 the, on, the, on the culture. Um, whether it was Charles Dickens, who was a trained hypnotist, which a lot of people don't know. Okay. Uh, I didn't know that at all. Yeah, it, it, it documented, um, if you, we've written a couple of uh, journal articles about it. So you're forgiven, there's so much on your plate, you can't remember everything we write, but 
the Christmas Carol, that iconic Christmas story by Charles Dickens, was uh, he he left some clues that it was founded on hypnotic practices. He made it very clear if you look at his writings and so forth that this the the, the Christmas Carol is a manifestation of the work of the of the of the imagination and the um, techniques of a truly great world-class hypnotist. So I'm hoping that next year you will invent a whole new award, the, the Dickens Award for, for the, and, and award it to me for having discovered this. Uh, obviously, I mean, you're, you're, you're the guy that, that knew it probably before anyone else did. Wendy and I was a guy in a gap. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, and, and so when you give us when you when you mint the Dickens Award, the Charles Dickens uh, Award for Excellence in Hypnosis, and you award it, make sure that it goes to Wendy as well as me. Deal? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. We'll go to her first. How's that? That's, that? That would please me very much. She was my she is my mentor in many ways and my inspiration. Excellent. So let me ask you this: You're um, how is hypnosis part of your life now with you being so busy? I mean, I see you, um, you're writing all the time. Um, and, and that's also the second part of my question is who are you writing for too? But so how is hypnosis involved in your everyday life right now? And, and, you know, um, being so busy in other things as well, besides hypnosis. Well, it's a fundamental part of my practice. And my practice really has to do with policy formulation and persuasion. I work in Washington, D.C. I work with the Congress. I work with various um, uh, various uh, agencies uh, a great deal. I, I, I spent, uh, I worked in or with three different White Houses, the um, Reagan White House, where I was a deputy general counsel in the executive office of the president, where I, a contractor for George W. Bush's White House has setting up uh, a, uh, an, uh, an underground railroad to rescue human trafficking victims. And I was the developer in seven of the 17 cities that we did that in. Um, and, and, and we actually triggered the largest uh, victim, re largest rescue of human tra trafficking victims in the United States up until very recently. And working with uh, Vice President Mike Pence and his office uh, under the Trump administration, I represent Buzz Aldrin, the Apollo 11 astronaut, who's also a very dear friend. And so I was, and since the vice president is the chairman of the National Space Council, when Buzz, through a mutual friend, asked me to get him on the National Space Council, I was delighted to, to facilitate that. But he didn't, he didn't really need me, he just needed the name of the White House switchboard and said, Buzz Aldrin reporting for duty here. So uh, the point, though, here is, Eric, that um, a lot of people, a lot of hypnotists don't know what hypnosis is, in my humble imagination, okay? okay. And uh, Fritz Hilgard, um, who was a Stanford researcher, Stanford University researcher, psychologist, and for whom the American Psychological Association's Lifetime Achievement Award is named, the Hilgard, he devoted his entire career to researching hypnosis. He is the great unknown figure up there with Milton Erickson and, Elm, and Elman. Okay, <laughs> Hilgard's name should be up there as well. And he defined hypnosis in the most succinct way I've ever found, in the most useful way, believed in imagination. And when you can join the belief with the imagination, I'm not talking about the imaginary, I'm talking about the faculty of imagination. Okay, you have what we call the hypnotic state. There are two different mm, uh, mental faculties, so to speak, that are complementary. They're not contradictory. But the one that, that is pre prevalent in the culture, of course, is logic. The logic and logical explanation is really prevalent in our culture. But imagination is an equally dignified capability and even stronger than logic. Napoleon, who was a great political hypnotist, uh, believe it or not, uh, once said, imagination rules the world. And so we guild-trained hypnotists know how to talk directly, how to bypass what is called the critical faculty, which is logic, and go directly into imagination. 
and speaking, speaking uh, suggestions directly into the imagination, we can produce really profound results. So, my, so this is a, a kind of a long and circuitous wind up to, in my, in, in my practice, I like to appeal to people's imagination and help them be able to visualize what kind of political powers they have that are latent and show them how they can activate those powers. That's with my Newsmax, my political columns for Newsmax. I also am an award-winning columnist for Hacker Noon, which has to do with emerging technologies. And it also has to do with how you get people, take them to the mountaintop, get them to imagine the achievement of their most uh, uh, ardently hold, held goals. And by, by anchoring that imagination and belief using hypnosis, using what I call, and what Orman McGill called reverie rather than trance, where you bring people into a beautiful, relaxed, alert, daydreamy state. You can perform what people, what, what appear, you can perform what a lot of people consider to be magic in terms of your outcomes. So for instance, Cleveland Medical did research showing that by imagining that you're going to work out, just sitting in a chair and imagining that you're pumping iron, you could actually develop 40% of the muscle mass that you would by actually going to the gym and working out. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't go to the gym and work out. I was hoping that that was going to be okay. Well, <laughs> but I'm simply saying if you either are, have a distaste for such things or are just too darn busy because you know how Dr. Damon works his poor staff near the death, rides them hard, puts them up wet, okay? You can get a lot of the benefits simply by sitting in hypnosis for 20 minutes. Beyond that, um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the if, if, you, if you go to YouTube, you will see Arnold Schwarzenegger, the greatest bodybuilder and movie actor, and the great movie actor and the great governor, okay? He's got videos talking about how he uses mental visualization, which we know is indistinguishable from hypnosis, to be fundamental in helping him achieve his fantastic bodybuilding results. So the, the bottom line here, Eric, is imagination is not imaginary. It's a real thing and it's a powerful thing. And we hypnotists by engaging that quality of believed in imagination can produce disproportionately great outcomes, not just in a chairside practice, but in our work in the world. Well, that's, that's exactly where I was gonna go next is for you, being in Washington and have dealt with so many um, important people and continue to, um, do you find it useful to yourself? I mean, obviously, I, mean, I, mean, I would assume that you do in, in everything that you do. Um, I use ethical hypnosis in my practice all the time. Uh, <clears throat> and it makes me you know, a much better writer. There's an old saying, you know, show, don't tell. And in hypnosis, by appealing to that, by activating the imagination, okay, people are having a, a vicarious experience rather than trying to explain to them what to do. Having an experience is far more persuasive than giving instructions. And people are smart. Once they understand what's possible, they'll be able to figure out how they can do what they already know how to do better to, by focusing their imagination and propelling themselves to higher and higher levels of success in whatever their particularly chosen field of endeavor is. Well, let me ask you on, when somebody comes up to you at say the convention and they're looking for some advice, what would you say is the most important thing that you can give them as they're starting out? You know, you know what's the most important thing that they need to to include in their practice or as they, uh, you know, uh, yeah, practice as a, as a hypnotist. The most important trait you would say to them is? Well, um, there's a very corny joke about a um, tourist in New York City who is wandering about the city and he runs into 
uh, a guy who's got a, uh, a guitar case slung across his back. And he says to the guy with the guitar case, you know, I'm new here, I'm kind of lost. How do I get to Carnegie Hall? And the guy with the guitar case slung on his back looks him in the eye and says, practice, man, practice. <laughs> so uh, uh, what, what worked for me and what I, I see as the most powerful way to do it is practice. You don't have to worry about memorizing things, about memorizing scripts. You know, what you need to do is you need to practice with friends, with family, and eventually with clients so that you, and, and by the way, um, the best way to build up, to build a practice I've, I've, I've observed is start by, by uh, cutting your rates down to an irresistible low level. So rather than charging, this is about practice building, okay? Yep. Yep. Rather than charging $200 an hour and having a lot of people who are eager, who are interested but skeptical that it's worth that, particularly if it's going to take three to five sessions, okay? Start at uh, $20 an hour, something that's just irresistible. I've seen people do that. And then as they begin to fill up their practice at this irresistible bargain basement rate, then they... They start raising the rates. People, they get referrals by word of mouth from very, very happy clients. And then they raise the rate the following month to $30 an hour, grandfathering in their current clients. So people don't feel like they've been suckered in. And now all of a sudden their rates are going up because clients come and go. And after they achieve their goals, they go and they might come back to you someday or they might never, but you want to be sweet and gentle with you know, the, the people who helped you get off the ground. So if, if you are willing to um, offer bargaining basement rates, a lot more people will line up because supply and demand, right? If you don't have a, a big demand, you have more supply than demand, then the prices, the market will set the prices low. But by essentially uh, giving your services away, at a very bargain rate, not giving them away, but offering them at a very bargain rate, then more and more clients will pick up, they will send their friends, the demand will pick up, and you just, as the demand picks up, you can confidently begin to raise your rates until you finally reach the appropriate market clearing price. So well, that's good advice for, for people just starting up, yeah. So practice, 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 and don't price yourself over the market, okay? Uh, the other, the other, the, the third point is, uh, that and this is a really a, stick, a sticking point for a lot of people. And that is, you have to promote yourself. You have to promote your practice, whether that's advertising on when, on Facebook, for instance. You can micro-target your ads so they only appear in your town for people who are looking for for hypnosis in your town. You can micro um, you can you can micro-target them that way on social media. So. But the, but the main thing, and, and you can do radio slots that are sort of run of show on the local AM stations that are relatively inexpensive. I don't do this myself. I don't have a chair side practice. But I'm simply saying that one of the things that people don't understand about Google, for instance, is that um, for a Google ad, only one person out of a thousand is going to buy the product for a Google ad. Right, right. So you have to get in front of a thousand people. You got to get your message, which has to be very simple, direct, and compelling in front of a thousand people before you get a customer from it. On Google ads, if you target them the right way, the ads will only cost you know a dime a piece, right? Now, right. A, a dime a piece doesn't sound like much until you multiply it by a thousand. And that means it's going to cost you a hundred bucks to bring in a customer. And remember, you're charging 20 bucks now, right? So you're going to be losing money on every customer until you build your base up. So you just need to be prepared to treat this like a profession and not like a hobby. So, um, oh, absolutely. And I would say that the, the promoting your practice never ends, no matter how right. successful you are. Right. I mean, that always has to happen. And, and people don't, they don't necessarily. There are some folks who don't think about that because they, they think you can slap a open sign outside the door and 
and that's it, but it's not. It's definitely not. And, you know, look, a lot of people either uh, treat hypnosis as a hobby, as a high-end hobby, which is perfectly legitimate. You know, other people treat it as a side hustle so that they're not really building their practice systematically. But when they run into people who want a hypnosis session, there they are, they're happy to provide it. And some people really want to make a profession out of it. And that means you do what other professions do, doctors, lawyers, accountants, and so forth. And if, if, you, uh, uh, if, if you want to be success, professionally successful, that means you have to be consistently marketing and promoting yourself. And there are ways to do that. There's marketing and there's advertising. So for marketing, for instance, there are a lot of um, professional associations like, bar, like county bar associations that are always looking for speakers that are relevant to the interests of their membership. And if you are committed to this, you just find out what all of the professional associations in your, uh, in your area are, and you just contact them and you say, hi, I'm a National Guild certified trained professional hypnotist and hypnosis isn't kooky and spooky anymore. It's relevant to policemen because there are various police benevolent associations in, in the following ways. And if you would like somebody to come in and, and give a free lecture to the next meeting of your police benevolent association society or whatever, I'd be happy to do it and, and um, no charge. And that's, that's a great way for people to see you up close and to begin to say, oh, I could really use that. I'd love to, there's a lot of stress being a policeman. I'd love to stop smoking or lose weight or whatever it happens to be. And this sounds like a healthy way to do it. So just be attuned to the opportunities to present yourself. It's really hard to get into the media. Okay. It just, just because um, there's a lot of competition for that. So Expect to build up your reputation as a uh, through a lot of shoe leather uh, and through you know paid media buys. If you're if you expect to succeed by being a publicity hound and getting on the local radio station for World Hypnotism Day or something like that, you're going to be very disappointed. They're not saying don't do it. I'm just saying even if you manage to get a get interviewed on World Hypnotism Day and identified, you need hundreds of impressions before people will think uh, uh, you know, I mean you need literally between 20 40 or 200 impressions before people will begin to say I think I'll call that person up and make a session with them so just because you've appeared on a radio show once it's nice but it's not it, it's not uh, no, um, it, it does, like we said it doesn't stop you, you need to right. keep whatever it is that you're doing either through radio or TV or print you need to uh, Dr. Damon provides the best example of that at all. He is a relentless promoter of hypnotism from, from hypnotizing the waitresses who come, who come give him coffee. He says, did you know I'm a hypnotist? And they, you know, if, and then he'll give him a, a little, you know, elevator pitch on it. And he, and he made those wonderful little distributional comic books. I don't know whether the guild still makes them available or not. That you can... We do. We still have them. Yeah. So he is really the best. He, you know, he transformed hypnotism from a heart, from, from a parlor trick into a, a separate and distinguished profession. He and Elsom and a tiny and Maurice, uh, a tiny handful of pioneers, took this, which was you know Svengali and spooky and turkey and whatever, and through you know he's a doctor of chiropractic, so he understands professionalism very well. Uh, he was actually trained by the, I think it was either the son or the grandson of the inventor of chiropractic, as he told you that story. Yes, yes. From, uh, I don't know his, uh, Palmer Chiropractic. Palmer. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know his first name, but yeah. He, yeah. He, was, he saw him walking around and he went up to him, as I remember the story, it's a great story. I've asked him to write it up from the journal. But, you know, he's stubborn. I don't think he has. And he said, well, if you want to walk with me, and then you can talk with me. And so he ended up walking, uh, taking walks with the uh, son, son of the founder of chiropractic. He learned a lot, became a chiropractor, and he went to great distinction in, uh, in many fields, but, it, but most particularly in 
converting hypnotism from a parlor trick, how to pick up girls in the back of a comic <laughs> book to the separate and distinguished profession recognized by the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and Fortune magazine that it has become. Well, he's definitely very proud of the National Guild of Hypnotists and, and all of its members because uh, it just keeps going. That's, you know, that's what he loves to do every day, including today. He's over there keeping me working. Yeah, so. I, I can well believe that. But let me just anchor uh, the fact that he sets very high standards that we are well advised to um, adhere to, both ethical standards, but, but of course, of being honest and honorable and, and actually, actually having a code of ethics for the guild, which, you know, people can complain if somebody deviates from, from the code of ethics. But it's really, it's also across the board. It's the training. Rather than saying, yeah, yeah I'm a hypnotist, I... I, I said I sent 50 cents away to get this manual from the back of the comic book, right? Now it's 200 hours of training and practice, which has become standard throughout the profession. But the guild um, pioneered that. I'm, I'm, I make my recollection is 200 hours. It might be 2,000 hours. It might be 100 hours. I've forgotten, but it's very substantial. Plus continuing education credits and and, and so forth. So there's the training, high, high degree of professionalism and training. And, but there's also the aesthetics of it, to dress like professionals as opposed to, to dress informally. It's all fine to be um, dressed informally when we're off duty. But when we're out there presenting ourselves as a representative of a separate and distinguished profession, lawyers wear neckties and accountants wear neckties and MDs wear white coats and stethoscopes, okay? It's just very, and you know who the, uh, who the gold standard of this is, is Maureen Banyan. She, she, she teaches us at, she, uh, I, I hope she'll be at the convention again this year because she makes some invaluable presentations and she is exemplary when it comes to presenting ourselves professionally, not just intellectually, but also aesthetically, the way we dress and the way we comport ourselves. So hats off to Maureen Banyan. Well, she will be at the at this year's convention, which which brings me to the fact that you'll be there presenting. And one thing I do want to ask is, I mean, you've presented for many years. Yes. What's the attraction for you personally to want to come to the National Guild of Hypnotists convention and present? Oh, well, do you want the cover story or the real story? I don't know what's juicier. What's always <laughs> juicier? The real story is because as anybody who knows me even half well is I'm a raging egomaniac and put me up on a stage <laughs> where I could strut my stuff. It's like pure, pure egomania. And I'm just happy to say that even the greatest hypnotists in the world have not yet found a cure for egomania. So you're stuck with that. <laughs> okay, the cover story is that I'm very grateful for the many blessings that hypnotism and the National Guild has brought into my life. And I'd like to give back. And this is a great opportunity to share things that have proven very valuable to me in my life. And I, I really think that I have a, an ethical duty to share these with my professional colleagues. If I, just in case I can either be of practical help to them or if they simply find me amusing and a, a good way to pass 50, 50, 50 minutes of, of, of uh, otherwise uh, uh, less entertaining uh, minutes of their life. Well, we definitely love having you every year, so that's important. And this year, you're going to be presenting uh, two seminars at this year's convention. Yes. You want to? Can you tell us a little bit about each one and what people can expect uh, as they attend your your uh, yeah. course? Yeah, I, I'm I'm, ha I'm happy to. So let me uh, start with my original. Uh, golden oldie, my classic, how to use the world word, how to use the web mesmerizingly. I wrote a uh, thanks to Elsa Eldridge, who I hope will be back at the convention this year because he is a national, international treasurer. Okay, I took his course in, in, uh, uh, in, in how to become the obvious expert. It was life transforming for me. Okay, to uh, spoiler alert, Okay, it, 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 but it, you really have to take the course to get the full benefit of it, uh, is you write a book, okay? This is what it boils down to, but he will tell you 
how to do that and how to make it practical and all of this step-by-step -step involved because it sounds daunting to a lot of people, but Elsa makes it so simple and practical that I took his course and I wrote, a, and I happened to be enthusiastic about the internet and the early emergence of the World Wide Web. And as Elsa will tell you, every to every second grader, a third grader is an expert. So I didn't have to let humility get in my way. I knew as much as I knew, and I wrote it into a book that I called the Webster's Dictionary, How to Use the Web to Transform the World. Get the pun on Webster, like web, World Wide Web and whatever. I had to read it a few times. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so I, I, uh, I, I, uh, I wrote this book and it became an international classic, cult classic. I, was, uh, I flew to Paris to receive the Trophée du Choix des Internautes in, in the French Foreign Ministry from the World E-Democracy Society, which after Worldwide Vote, my book had uh, um, uh, won this very distinguished, the, the most distinguished award in web advocacy ever. And so I realized that a lot of people were not, were, did not really know how to use the web in order to build their practice. And so I decided to start giving this course so that the, um, how to make it a compelling sales tool rather than simply a, um, uh, um, a modern yellow pages ad that nobody would ever, few people would ever see and few would even you know, follow up on, okay? And the bottom line on that, and I go into great detail, both on the technicalities, what domain name should I get? How do I get it? Where do I keep it? What do I, how, what are the legal landmines that I have to stay off of to make sure I'm not violating somebody's copyright and get sued and whatever. But the essence of it is, and I hope that this will make some of our listeners laugh, is use hypnosis on your website. And by that, I don't mean swinging a watch <clears throat> and telling people to come and sign up for an appointment. Although you could give that a try, I, you know, why not? <laughs> it might work. But the point is, since we've already established that hypnosis is believed in imagination, present yourself as a personality that is speaking directly into their imaginations and their aspirations. So don't try to argue them into coming in. Don't try to explain what hypnosis is. Just make the necessary declarations and the powerful narrative about how harnessing the power of your imagination through hypnosis, which is your expertise as their guide. They never go into trance. Trance implies diminished capacity. This is a heightened capacity where you will guide them into this wonderful, pleasant, alert, relaxed, daydreamy state that we call reverie that will allow them to harness the power of their imagination, their dreams, to siphon this into um, creating new possibilities and new achievements in their daily life, whether it's something as simple as losing weight or whether it's something as complicated as becoming a master of their profession, okay? We can help them we don't cure them of anything. We're not clinical hypnotists. We're not trained for that. And it's against our code of ethics to hold ourselves out that way. But we can certainly help with uh, in, in, in a, a better, healthier habits and the achievement of great things in their professional or their social lives by using the power of the of believed in imagination to vault themselves up to whole new levels of achievement. You can do that whole thing in a, in in an hour. <laughs> yes, but you only give me fifty minutes, so I I leave them wondering about the last ten minutes. No, no, no. This is really it's very. I people I want people to understand that by telling their story and offering people's ability to emotionally and imaginatively engage with their story on their website. Okay. If you go to the most powerful websites in the world, like, like Apple, right? Like Ford, like Nike, okay? These give people an experience. They don't tell that, they don't try to educate them. They try to, they inspire them 
through a high, uh, through a, a beautiful, emotionally moving experience. So let's talk to their imagination, to their heart, to their experience level, which is what hypnosis allows us to do vicariously. And then once they're inspired to desire, then we can say, so click here to set up an appointment and or call here to, to get a free 20 minute consultation. And then you just say, come on in and experience it for yourself. And if you've priced yourself right, depending upon the, the demand you're, you're generating, then you will be able to, and you do this consistently every day for, if you're, if you're, not, marketing, if, if you're not marketing yourself for at least an hour a day, you're not a serious professional. You're a hobbyist, which is fine. Just don't kid, just don't kid yourself that you can, you can, this hypnosis is not magical thinking. Hyp hypnosis requires engaging the power of the imagination. So I tell people, look, if you just, if you send just three emails a day, that's a thousand emails a year, right? right. It, it adds up. Okay. If you, if you just discipline yourself to uh, do um, uh, 30 emails a day, which is not that much, you know, you're copying and pasting really most of that. Okay. Then you're, then you're touching 10,000 people a year with your promoting your profession and opening up opportunities. Okay. And so if you do that, if you uh, put, put, put the energy into touching people with using your words, these various mediums, your website, email, social media, and whatever, to touch people's imagination, then you will begin to build a practice. And that's what using the web mesmerizingly is all about. Excellent. No, I, that's, I think that's important. And, you know, a lot of pe people can get some great information uh, by attending your, your presentation on that. The well, second one you're doing is- Hopefully they'll be getting a great experience, remember. I'm not educating. I, my goal is to inspire rather than educate. Education is is easy. Well, I, I think there is inspiration. I mean, just from from obviously my experience with you has been minimal up until last year, where I saw your classes and I was in and out of all of the everything at the convention. Yeah. So, and definitely last year, you you had people talking about you in a good way. So. <laughs> I hope so. I got, you know, obviously you've invited me back, so I couldn't have gotten too many raspberries. No, so, I don't, don't think so. But also just let me, as a sidebar, uh, write the book. Go to Elsom's course and write the book. Believe it or not, you can write a book in a, in a month. And then Elsom will tell you how to package it, take it to KDP Publishing, Kindle Delect Publishing on the web through Amazon. They will you know, find an editor to clean it up, to create a, um, a beautiful cover and back cover and to do all the little ISBN numbery kind of things, okay? And then to upload it to Katie, once you've got a package, by the way, you could find specialists who will do all of the packaging for you for $1,000 or $2,000. It's not horrifically expensive, but once, once you've become an author about something about hypnosis, Okay, it converts you from a salesman to an authority. Okay, once you become, people treat authors differently than they do someone who are not authors. It, it makes sure it's, you know, just, it's dignified. Look, the cover is dignified, the subject matter is dignified, and that you're writing at least 50,000 words, which sounds like a lot, but if you dictate it, you can dictate your book at 5,000 words a day, it's 10 days, okay? It's not, it, it's not, uh, you want the book to be thick enough so that people feel that it's substantial. You just write the table of contents, 10 different subjects that are relevant to your theme, your title, okay? And then you just dictate 5,000 words in an hour a day. And at the end of two weeks, you got a book, you got the, the, a manuscript. Then you go through all of the steps that Elson teaches or Eric, if he's not gonna be here this year, just go look at one of his own old tapes and you present his course for him, right? And you, you just do it. And then, oh. then you're an author and then your social prestige goes way up 
when you're offering to talk to someone, if you say, I'm an expert hypnotist, that's good. I'm an expert hypnotist and the author of this book about how to use hypnosis for whatever, right? right. Then, then, then all of a sudden you're an authority. And as Elson taught me, okay, if you send a resume in to a corporate, corporate chieftain that you're trying to market, there's someone sitting outside his office called the secretary who's there to throw away all the resumes. Okay? But nobody throws away books. It's ingrained against us. They, she, she will go, I don't know what to make of this, but here's a book with your letter in it and it can get passed through to the boss. And therefore you've essentially broken through to get the exposure to the decision maker. And it's just a very powerful marketing technique. That's a freebie. I, I, I'm poaching off of Elsom, but I really think I, I, I really wanted to say, take Elsom, don't just take Maureen Banyan's course, take Elsom's course for goodness sake. And if he's not there, get the video of it. I was gonna say, good news is that a lot of these, uh, either Maureen or, or Elsom's uh, previous uh, presentations are in the video library of the Guild. So make use of them, but don't just don't just watch them and pop and pass the popcorn. Okay, just get out there and do it. And by the way, if it helps, I had to throw away the first draft of my book, Lock, Stock, and Barrel. I wrote it all, and then I gave it to a friend of mine who was a, a published author. Uh, we were flying back from Israel together, and he he read it on the plane, and he said to me, "Hey, Ralph, this book sucks." <laughs> Oh my God, he's right. Okay, it was too wise guy-ish in tone. I was attempting to uh, establish myself as an authority, but I was just way too snarky on my first round. So I just tossed it out and, and wrote it, rewrote it from scratch minus the snark. Okay, so don't be scared of the process. It's, it's uh, a, a very uh, exhilarating experience to write a book. And even if you mess up, you'll learn and then in your second chance, your, your second effort, you'll get it right. There you go. Maybe I should write a book. Now, now you've inspired me. Just maybe. Of course you should write a book. <laughs> All right, so you're doing another uh, class. Yes. And that is, uh, hypnosis is a separate and distinguished profession. And that is a tribute to Dr. Damon and to Elsa and to Maurice uh, and, and the other uh, founding fathers of us as a profession. When I was, I, I'm really old, okay? But when I, my first exposure to hypnosis was in the back of comic books, right? Where there was, they were advertising how to hypnotize, how to hypnotize chicks, right? It was a very politically incorrect era. And you would send away 50, uh, 25 cents, 50 cents, a dollar to get a pamphlet as to how to hypnotize people, particularly women, right? To, and, and it was, tacky it's yeah. just very tacky okay and there's a reason for this and that is um hypnosis back all before any of us even dr damon was born got some very bad pr black eyes okay there was a book called trilby nobody remembers trilby she was the name of the heroine of the novella uh, novelette uh, by george du maurier but everybody remembers her her um, agent and, and uh, coach, Sven Dali, who found this little shop girl and through the power of hypnotism, turned her into the lady guy, no, Taylor Swift of her day, right? But he was presented as a creepy character who was exploiting her financially and sexually and socially in all kinds of ways. And uh, so that, that essentially created the initial sensitizing event on the culture that hypnotists were creepy, kooky, and spooky. And um, so we have been digging out of that PR black eye for over a century now. But um, uh, Dr. Damon particularly, but also Elsom and also Maurice and, and very few others have been so meticulous about presenting ourselves professionally, that they have slowly but surely been able to start dispelling the, um, the uh, image of hypnosis 
as Pookie and Spooky. So that that it's up to us now, Dr. David, who must be approaching 90, right? Oh, he's somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. He is a he is a super octogenarian who is now giving nonagenarianism, approaching nonagenarianism. He's devoted decades of his life to rehabilitating hypnosis, non-clinical hypnosis as a separate and distinguished profession. And now it's up to us to move the move this forward. Nothing is static unless we continue to do the things to dress professionally, to present professionally, and to be able to explain in a dignified fashion what hypnosis is and is not without hype. Uh, it, uh, then we can begin to move it with, then we can continue to move it forward so that it, it uh, gains the mainstream recognition that it deserves. And I explained how to do that in, in this little 15 minute course. Well, I think that's really important. I mean, for, because it's a continuation, obviously you, you need to, you know, Dr. Damon started, started to, you know, push things in that direction along with, with Elsa and Maurice and others and, and, you know, and, and they've got it to where it is. And it's important that as people become a hypnotist, that they, they take courses like yours. So they make sure they keep it on that track of being uh, a, a profession that is distinguished. And just remember a lot of our, a lot of our professional success in the world is dictated by our perceived social status. If people see us as elite, then they're going to, the burden, the presumption is going to be that we're valuable, okay? And the way you get perceived as elite is to behave in public and in private exactly the way other elite professions do. You dress right, you speak right, you, you, you emulate the other learning professions. And by the way, you associate with other learning professions. And one of the most fun ways of doing that is figuring out who your local elected representatives are, your mayors, your city council people, your county council people, and your state representatives and senators, okay? These people have to run for office every couple of years, okay? And they're uh, uh, ravenous for your good opinion, right? And for the good opinion of your social network. So if you are, if, if you are willing to have a stage of coffee for your neighbors and your social acquaintances, in your home to meet the assembly person, to meet the state senator. Forget the Washington guys, they're too full of themselves, but your <laughs> local politicians, okay, will often be very open to the idea of coming to your house or to your chapter meeting or whatever it happens to be to meet you and to um, ingratiate themselves with you to put a not too fine a point on it. And by the way, this is money in the bank for the profession too, because when our, competitors want to pass laws shutting down our practices, which has happened from time to time. And thank, thank, thank uh, heavens for Scott. Yes. <laughs> for, for fighting for our right to practice. Uh, to, if, to the extent you've made friends with your assembly person or with your state senator, they'll call you up when they hear that some of the local psychiatrist people are trying to shut us down. Uh, they'll call us up and say, what should I do about this? They, they, if, if they know you, that will treat you as an authority. And you can be at the front without having to break a sweat. You might find yourself actually testifying before your state legislature, talking about why hypnosis is a good thing and why it shouldn't be regulated out of practice in your state. So now that's great advice. That's great advice. I'll, I'll, I'll go into a little more specificity for those who attend my attend my class excellent well we look forward to seeing you at the convention i i want to wrap up with this was one question because you are an authority so um what would be your advice to other hypnotists on why they should attend the convention oh well um it it it, it it, it's such, the answer is so obvious that I'm a little embarrassed to just state it right out there. But number one, the event, there are three reasons, not just one. Okay. First of all, the convention is a blast just as a, as a, a way of, of finding, seeking pleasure, 
finding the enjoyment of the sociability. It's an enormously sociable place. And to be meeting up with old friends year after year, getting their story and sharing your story with them, it's just a pure pleasure. Number two is we can, the profession continues to evolve. And no matter how diligent you are about reading the journal, which I am, cover to cover, okay, or reading hypnogram, which I am, there are no more covers on it, but hey, I, you know, I, I know how to turn the pages of the PDF, okay? There's just no way to remain at the, at the top of breaking events that is um, be better than going to the convention and, of course, to the Golden Weekend when you can afford to, to, to do that. So it's a great pleasure. You learn a lot about the state of the profession. And finally, you know, there's always more to learn about becoming a proficient hypnotist. You have so many really accomplished top of their profession people teaching their 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 best practices that it's it's a cornucopia of ways of improving our capabilities as a hypnotist and if you are serious about being the best hypnotist you can possibly be well it's the attending the the convention is an absolute must but also a pleasure excellent well, Ralph Banco, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, join us on our NGH podcast. Uh, you definitely have all kinds of information, but I would like to throw this out as we wrap up here is that I want to invite you back to pick your brain on the other side of you, meaning all of the everything that you're doing in your, your world in Washington that goes on, because uh, I think people would find that just as interesting as your hypnosis side. Well, thank you. As is, as as, as I, I would be delighted to do that. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Hypnosis NGH podcast. You're welcome to share your ideas for future podcasts by emailing us, ngh podcast at ngh.net.